Local radio for Portsmouth. Hello and a very warm welcome to Over the White Line here on 93.7 Express FM with myself, Henry Deacon, here with you every Wednesday evening between 6 and 7pm on your local radio station for Portsmouth, 93.7 Express FM. We're proudly sponsored by Bisco Solicitors. It's a place where the right team gets you the right result. For more information on the services that they provide, do head over to their website. It is biscos-law.co.uk. You can also get in contact with the programme. You can text Express and your message to 81400. Tweet us at ExpressFM or you can send us an email. The address you need is studio at expressfm.com. And as promised, coming up is the draw for the Portsmouth Senior Cup. Rob England is with me in the studio. We'll be chatting with him very shortly. We'll also be getting all the reaction from all the weekend's football in parts two and three of the programme. So please do stay tuned to us here on 93.7 Express FM. But as promised, it's time for the draw for the Portsmouth Senior Cup. Joining me in the studio is Rob England to conduct the draws. And so without any further ado, it's go time. And for the fourth year running, it's Pompey. They're the queens of their home city. It's the Borough Boys making all the noise. Gosport are your Portsmouth Senior Cup champions. Hello and welcome along to the draw for the Portsmouth Senior Cup first round here on Over the White Line here on 93.7 Express FM. I'm Henry Deacon and I'm joined alongside Rob England from the Portsmouth Divisional Football Association to make the draw. First of all, Rob, great to have you back in the studio this time round. Yeah, I've uh, forgotten what it was like. It's been such a long time, but uh, yeah, it's great to be back again. And of course, it's another exciting competition for both the Portsmouth Senior Cup competitions, big numbers of entries again in, in both the competitions and in particular the women's competition. Yeah, it's very pleasing as we uh, spoke last time I was on your show. Uh, you know, the women's game is on the up and uh, hopefully uh, next season we'll have even more. Um, but uh, you'll note, uh, I mean, one club has got three entries, which is a, a great uh, testament to how popular the, the game is getting. Of course, we're doing the competitions for the men's seniors and the women's seniors, but of course, it's not just there where the Ports of FA's competitions lies. And I know you're doing a number of different competitions. How have you seen entry levels and, and participation numbers in those competitions? Uh, they've been pretty good, yeah. Overall, the um, uh, not compared the numbers with last year. Last year, we had over 100 entries over the seven competitions. Um, so we're looking at around about the similar figures, I think. Um, so, yeah, we've got another five draws to do uh, uh, next week. We've got a new Cup Secretary, uh, Jason Brooker, some people may know him, but he's also Secretary of Fairham Town. Um, uh, we had a meeting uh, last week and uh, he was there and uh, it's great to have someone on board with his experience and uh, someone who is very, very tech savvy, which uh, I think is uh, very useful these days. In this brand new era of football for the Ports of FA, some things change and some things stay the same, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we're We're... we're very pleased. I mean, we've we've got a website which has been uh, embarrassingly uh, moribund for a while, and I know Jason will get that up up and running again. And uh, you'll see plenty of stuff on Twitter and uh, uh, as well. So uh, yeah, exciting times. Excellent news. We'll have a chat after we do the draws for the uh, Portsmouth Senior Cup competitions. Me and Rob in the studio this evening to conduct it. Uh, we'll begin. Where do we? Shall, where shall we begin? Rob? Oh, I think it's ladies first, uh, Henry. So it'll be the ladies cup. Uh, just to explain, um, uh, we do have a degree of seeding in this, rather like the um, the national FA Cup. Um, so the the, the stronger sides uh, come in later. So we've got 15 entries this year. Um, we're going to play uh, five games in the first round, and there'll be five buys. And you've got a list of the buys there, which have already been uh, predetermined. Indeed, the buys go to Portsmouth FC Women, Portsmouth Women Development, Moneyfields, AFC Porchester and United Services Portsmouth. There's 10 sides that are going to be drawn out this evening. They are as follows. Number one is Chichester FC Ladies. Number two, AFC Porchester Reserves. Three, and available and welcome to the Portsmouth FA competitions to Haventon Waterlooville. Four is Paulsgrove Ladies. Number five is Gosport Borough Ladies First. Number six is Liphook Ladies. Number seven is Gosport Borough Ladies Reserves. 
Number eight is Moneyfields Reserves. Number nine is Gosport Borough Ladies Development. And number 10 is Clanfield Ladies. It's going to be home and away. So the team drawn out first will play at home. And the team who are drawn out second will play away. No, it's just one slight um, caveat on that. If a team is drawn uh, away uh, and they have lights, and the fixture will be reversed as it is in the Men's Senior Cup and played under lights uh, midweek. Fantastic. So here we go then to the draw for the uh, Ports of Women's Senior Cup. I'm going to be drawing out the home teams. Rob will draw out the away and off we go. Number one. Chichester Ladies. We'll play number two, which is AFC Porchester Reserves. Going with number order yes. so far. <laughs> Looking very suspicious so far. <laughs> Let's try and mix it up. Number six, we have changed it up. Number six, which is Lipwalk Ladies. We'll play number five, which is Gosport Ladies First Team. Uh, then uh, Gosport Borough ladies first away at Liphook in our second tie of the round. Next out the hat is number seven. That is Gosport's reserves team. And they're playing number four, which is Paulsgrove ladies. So Paulsgrove ladies making the trip then uh, to Gosport for that one. Next out of the hat is number nine, and that is Gosport's development team. So they are also going to be at home and uh, they are going to face? Uh, they will face uh, number 10, which is Clanfield Ladies. So Clanfield Ladies also making the trip over to Gosport. Only two teams then left in this, so all being well. Number eight, Moneyfields Reserves. We'll play number three, which is uh, the new team, having a Waterlooville. Indeed, so a way tie for Haverton Waterlooville. Just to recap then on that women's draw then for you, which has just come out live now. It is Chichester City Ladies up against AFC Porchester Reserves team. Now you've got Liphook up against Gosport Boroughs first. Gosport's Reserves take on Paulsgrove. The Gosport Development team, they will take on Clanfield and Moneyfields Reserves will take on Haventon Waterlooville. That is in the women's competition. We now uh, shift our focus to the men's competition. Gosport Boa are the defending champions of this competition, having won out in the final against Moneyfields in May over at Baffins Milton Rovers' PMC Stadium. And it's going to be slightly different to the... Uh, the women's draw, Rob, we're going to be drawing out some buys and we're going to be drawing out some ties. Yeah, we'll do the, uh, it's a straightforward um, uh, draw, but there'll be seven games, 20, there's 23 sides, so there's seven games and nine buys in the first round. So we draw the, uh, the seven games and the rest will be buys. Indeed we will. So, same order as before. I'll do the home and Rob will do the away and away we go in the draw for the Portsmouth Senior Cup. Number 21, that is Baffins Milton Rovers. We'll play number 11. Number 11, that is Petersfield Town. So, a solid Wessex League tie to uh, kick us off. Next up, out the hat is... Number 18, that is the champions, Gosport Boa. So they will be playing right at the very start of the competition. And they will play number nine, which is Locks Heath. So Gosport Boa getting underway against Locks Heath, managed by Ben Buckland, who knows Gosport Boa very well indeed. Uh, number 14, that is United Services, Portsmouth. They will play number three, which is Fairham Town. That is a very tough-looking tie on paper, then. US Portsmouth against Fairham Town. All Wessex League Premier clash, that one. Uh, next out the hat is number eight, Mion Milton. They're joining the competition this season. And they will play Locks Heath Reserves, number 10. Yes, yeah, so they will play Locks Heath Reserves. So, interesting battle at uh, that one there. Next up out of the hat is... Number seven, that is Paulsgrove. The one is up back in 2019. And they will play number 22, which is Baffins Milton Rovers Reserves. And they will play the reserve side of Baffins Milton Rovers. 
Twice victors in the competition are the first team. Next out is number 17. That is Lip Hook United. Playing number two. Number two, and that is Clanford. So an all Hampshire League clash in that one as Liphook takes on Clanfield. Next out is number 19. That's Hailing United, a team with ambitions of doing well in the Hampshire Premier Division this season. And they play uh, number 16, which is a new side we're welcoming this year, which is the Royal Navy FA Development Under-23 side. So very warm welcome to them. And it is a trip to Hailing Island to kick off their Portsmouth Senior Cup campaign. Uh, next up is number 15. That is United Services Portsmouth Reserves side. That would have been ironic if they did draw against the uh, the Royal Navy. But they will face... Uh, number 13. And that is AFC Petersfield of the Hampshire League there for United Services Portsmouth Reserves side. That could be an even game. Oh, sorry. We've uh, we've overstepped. We've... Uh... <laughs> we, I've uh, mis- miscounted. We need to uh, stop there. So that last tie is not a tie. So they're all buys from here on in. They're all buys. So actually, um, United Services Reserves and uh, ASC Petersfield are, are, are buys because we have our seven, our seven matches. So there we go. So they get buys. And I suppose you might as well make sure everything is in order by drawing out the other sides. Yeah. So the other buys. So we have AFC uh, Petersfield and United Services Portsmouth Reserves. And they're joined by Horn Dean. AFC Porchester, Moneyfields, Harvest, Fairham under-23s, Moneyfields Reserves and Fleetlands. So they get buys through to the next round of the Portsmouth Senior Cup. These will be the seven ties we are going to see. They're going to be played by the end of September, all being well. It's Baffins, Milton Rovers up against Pittsford Town. Gosport Borough against Lockheath United Services. Portsmouth will take on Fairham Town. Mion Milton against Lockheath's reserves side. Pauls Grove against Baffins, Milton Rovers reserves. Uh, Liphook United against Clanfield. And the last one out of the hat is Hailing United against Royal Navy's under-23 as well. We got through both of the draws unscathed. <laughs> just about. <laughs> just about, but we got through them. That's the, that's the important thing. And you have a look at, we'll begin with the, the Women's Cup draw, the one that probably stands out more than any other, perhaps because it's their debut in the competition, is a, a warm welcome to having some more to leave on. They'll get their work cut out against Moneyfields Reserves. They're a very good side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's always an unknown factor when you've got a new side in. I know um, Pavan and Waterville have um, been quite actively um, building that side. Um, I know one of the guys, Chris Cooper, involved. Mm. He's a very good football guy involved in grassroots for many years. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they uh, they, they that pans out. And then elsewhere in the men's competition, probably, I mean, Gosport as well, uh, they're drawn at home against Loxley. But the two that probably stand out for me is Baffins, Milton Rovers, up against Pittsfield Town, who have made a lot of uh, strengthening off the pitch last year. And then probably the, the all-Wessex League Premier battle between United Services, Portsmouth and Fairham Town. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of uh, really big ties there. I mean, it's good to see Petersfield Town coming back. They've had a few up and downs uh, seasons in uh, recent years. So it's... We, we really want to see them progress back up again. And, uh, yeah, the other tie, it should be a cracker. So, uh, yeah, and then we uh, let's say it's looking good for the competition. There's a lot of strength there and it's, again, very pleasing. We've got reserve sides coming in mm-hmm. and development sides, which is uh, boosting the competition uh, uh, quite well. And, of course, for a couple of them, a few buys through to the next round. But for, for clubs like Lockheath, the opportunity to play a, a side like Gosport Borough, who have aims to do really well in the in the Southern League Premier Division, it's only competitions like the Portsmouth Senior Cup where they'll get that opportunity to, to really test themselves against some big clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we know Gosport are a really strong side and they were very uh, dominant last year in the, in the competition. So, uh, yeah, but as you say, if... It's the same in any competition. You you really want to test yourself, and you get the opportunity to go to a decent ground midweek under lights, and uh, it's a, it's a pleasure. I suppose last season for you in these competitions was kind of the first time you had the opportunity to play these properly since COVID happened. I know there was obviously one or two uh, moments here and there where we thought maybe we may not be resuming football for a while, but I suppose it must have been nice just to have got that first year back under your belt, no matter what the circumstances. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was um, it was a pleasure. I mean, there were there were there were difficulties throughout the season. It wasn't one of the easiest uh, uh, seasons for the competition, but yeah, it's good to get back into the the, the normal routine, if you like. I know COVID hasn't gone away, but um, we seem to be working through it now, and hopefully, we can have a uh, a reasonably uh, trouble free season. And uh, we're looking to hopefully get the uh, final back at Fratton Park as well, which will be which will be great. I suppose now you've had that first season where you can just get it out of the way and put it under your belt. I suppose now you really can push forward with what you what you really want to do going forward with the Senior Cup and, and the other such competitions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we will. Um, we've already had a meeting. You know, we're looking at. Um, even now we look at venues for finals to mm-hmm. make sure we get the best venues and the most uh, appropriate for the competitions and and there's so many good ones around now we actually sport for choice having all of it obviously um we've got the Moneyfields development coming up we'll be investigating that uh baffords milton rovers treated us so well last year um and then of course we've got fairham town and, and gospel as well so uh yeah it's uh it's all looking very good and it's great for the players as well. They're obviously, for, for other competitions like the Sunday morning competition, Saturday morning competitions, they'll play at King George's and other such venues on, on a Saturday and Sunday morning to, to give them the sort of options that you have at your disposal as places they can go to as a final. It makes the achievement of getting to the final feel even more significant because the Emma Ward is you're playing at a really good ground and, and well-attended finals as well. Yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean... Um... The attendances uh, last year were excellent. Uh, even the year before with the delayed finals, were, they were fantastic. Um, so, yeah, and yes, you're right. It's, um, it's part of the joy of being in a cup final is to play in a decent stadium. Indeed. And, and I suppose as well for, uh, for, for, all, the, for all the members of, of the Portsmouth FA to be able to have that one season now come back again. And I suppose they'll be also happy to see the numbers of teams that are, that are rising year on year. And I know we've been talking about numbers of teams and the competitions going up. So it creates even more healthier opportunities and healthier matches and, and better opportunities for people at different levels. Yeah, well, our Sunday competitions, we, we, we cater for every um, grassroots side you know, who plays on the Sunday, whether it's the Victory Cup, Intermediate Cup, Trophy or Plate. You know, there, there's a place for anyone who wants to play and uh, and it gives them an opportunity to, uh, they don't have to move massive distances geographically, but um, they can play different sides from the ones they're playing week in, week out in their in their local league. So it's a, yeah, it's a great opportunity for them. Because ultimately, at that level, the the one ultimate thing is about the enjoyment of it all, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's what we're we're, we're that's what we do. I mean, that's our only aim. I mean, my playing days are well in the past, and uh, you know, my objective objective now is uh, you know to get as many people playing football as possible. Exactly, and it's one thing that the Portsmouth Divisional Football Association are doing. And, and for those that perhaps are looking at maybe next season setting up teams or, or trying to, to get something together, what would you say would be the, the best way for them to, to get involved, maybe set a team up or, or try and create something? Yeah, um, yeah. obviously you can contact any of the local leagues depending on whether you want to play Saturday or Sunday. Um, there are also resources on the Hampshire FA website uh, which... Uh, with guidance for setting up a new team um so yeah look at that and just have a think i mean everyone's in leagues or in the county are there to help that's what their aim is you know they just want you to succeed and you know if you think it's going to be difficult there's always someone who will answer a question so uh yeah if you want to do it contact uh you can contact me i'll put you onto a league or you can contact the leagues direct there's no problem well, Rob, always do appreciate your time here in the studio. I know that you've got uh, some dinner off to go and prepare now, so you can <laughs> go yeah. and enjoy that. Yeah, I don't want the roast spoiling, so uh, yes, I've got to uh, get, get off. But uh, always a pleasure, Henry. Thank you. Well, we are proudly sponsored by Bisco Solicitors. It's the place where the right team gets you the right results. For more information on the services they provide, do head over to their website. It is biscos-law.co.uk. And of course, you can get in contact with the programme this evening. You can text Express and your message to 81400. Tweet us at ExpressFM or send us an email. It is studio at expressfm.com. Now, our next guest you may remember from a previous interview we did 18 months ago during a couple of our lockdown specials of Over the White Line. And it was probably one of the most well-received interviews that I've done probably in the 
five years presenting this programme and it was Harry Birmingham who was at the time a United Services Portsmouth player in the middle of their FA Vars run to the semi-finals and he opened up so candidly on the subject of mental health and spoke about his story and here were some of the bits that we heard in that previous interview which was one of the most remarkable we've ever done on the programme. Um, well it's sort of basically opening up and making people realise that you know, I'm a young young lad and a young male as well, which is massive. Mm-hmm. But everyone has it, you know, especially if you're a football lad, you're surrounded by that many of my mates, even someone with, that's surrounded by that many people can have it. Like, And it was massive. The return to football, like I said, was was huge because I see them a good, like, they're not just teammates, they're good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Being able to see them every week, um, having a laugh and a joke. And just football as a whole is just such a release from any stress or pressure you have in life. So that was so big. So and that was Harry talking to me 18 months ago during United Services Portsmouth's FA Vars 1. Nowadays, very much a player over at Moneyfields in the project that Glenn Turnbull is doing there. And on Monday evening, he sat down via Zoom once again to have a chat with me about everything and to raise more awareness about the very important topic of mental health so here is me having a chat on Monday night with Harry Birmingham. Harry say that joining me via Zoom now is Money Phil's Harry Birmingham. Harry we spoke about 18 months ago whilst you were in the middle of that FA Vars one with United Services Portsmouth and you spoke so openly and so candidly on the subjects of mental health. First and foremost how are you? Yeah a lot better now mate thank you. Um, still have good days and bad days but the good days are a lot more frequent than what the bad ones are. I know how to deal with bad ones now. So, yeah, a lot better than what I was, I'd say, 18 months, two years ago. A lot better now. What's the journey been like over the last 18 months since we've spoken to you last? Uh, difficult. It's not been easy. It's been a case of pushing pushing certain people away, um, having to focus on myself and put myself first. And it's, been, it's not been easy. I've had a lot of people that, I might not have spoken to in the past have ended up being extremely helpful to me and I've made a lot of close friends who have helped me out massively. So it, it has been difficult, but it's helped me see as well who who I can who I can help to help and support. How's the footballing world been since we last spoke? How have they reacted to it? Were you perhaps a bit worried when you opened up and spoke about what the reaction would be and how has the reaction been? Yeah, of course, but... Um, when you think about it, you go to a football game, if you go to an away game, you expect to get a lot of abuse and stick from supporters. Um, so that was always a fear that I would that would be the case. But I think it's so common now that people are starting to talk about it that it's one of these things that's it's frowned upon. You, you dare joke about it or, or make a comment to someone about it that's struggling because you know that that could push them over the edge or anything like that. But I had a lot of messages from different clubs, different people um, just like praising me saying well done congratulations on speaking out and that they were there for any anything I needed so it, yeah football has been good but that is football for you and obviously there's work still to be done on the topic but do you feel like football has come a long way along with the, the lines of mental health and how to deal with mental health and that sort of things yeah I think so I think um, what people don't understand is what a huge factor actually has in everyone's mental health so during the lockdowns there was no football and I think that brought a lot of people into struggling it's their release. So I think it's coming much more popular now for people to talk about it and openly talk about it because the football and words has become a lot more accepting of it. And, and within a changing room environment, and we both know how, how what sort of environment that is, there's a lot of banter and a lot of things going around. Do you see a, a change in there? Because I feel like once the environment in a changing room begins to, to change on those topics, everything else can kind of change as well. Yeah, the good thing is, like I said, like I said, eighteen months ago, like our group of lads is such a close group, like close knit mates. Um, everyone digs in for each other. So as soon as they found out about me, it was the case of I didn't get treated any differently as to they weren't making it like I was an outcast or being awkward around me. They dealt with me like I was a normal person. But if I needed any help and support, then that was it. They were there for me. So the change room, I can't really speak for myself. It's always been very supportive. But I think if you were to speak to others that maybe we're new into a change room or something, I think they would say it's a lot more supportive now. And obviously we both know the non-league circuit quite well and, and everybody knows 
everybody has that helped knowing that everyone knows everyone and, and does that maybe for other players that perhaps have gone through what you've gone through perhaps make it easier to have that initial conversation yeah I think so I think um, it helps when say if one person or two step up and say about it it helps uh, people not be as, as say embarrassed because that's what people do feel I felt very embarrassed by because the fact that I'm a bloke and I play football I'm only young I've got no issues and I think um, but yeah, I was still going through it. So I think it helps. I think it just takes one or two people to step up um, to make a big change. Were you initially scared to open up about it? And if there's anyone that's perhaps listening to this programme that were perhaps in the situation you were 18 months ago, what would be the best bit of advice you'd give them? Oh yeah, I was terrified at first. Um I, I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how everyone would take it if I when I spoke to them. Um, I'd say I was I was stupid now. I now see it as all I, all it was was me struggling, and I couldn't. I was too proud and maybe a bit too stubborn to admit that I wasn't happy and fully happy in myself and what was going on. But now I think I've all, like my mates have been perfect inside of football and outside of football. They've all been perfect about it, um, and they've opened up to me about some things and said, "Listen, because we know you've been through it, so it, it has helped really." A lot of people have opened up to me now because they know that I sort of can understand what they've gone through. And as far as clubs are concerned, what would you say would be the best things that they can put in place to have kind of that that safeguard and that sort of area where if someone's struggling and look, we're all we're all the same, we all have good days and we all have bad days. There's just something in place that if you really are struggling, there's someone that perhaps you could talk to anonymously or or things like that. What what can clubs do to kind of change the previous stigma around it and help players who are struggling? I think it helps where at Moneyfield you've got a few um, coaches and people involved in the club that have had the mental health first aid course and there's like supporters who have had it as well, which means that they know how you can deal with it, how different ways of dealing with it and coping with it is. I think if you get that implemented in at any clubs in any level, if you get that implemented in, there's people in the club that are trained to be able to deal with mental health and the issues like that it's not involved to be someone that's involved with the club it'd be an outside person that they can get in to talk to someone but as soon as they can implement that it will help a lot of people I think open up I don't know exactly how the FA courses work I don't know whether you do but I think there are some courses on, on mental health do you think that that should be a more commonplace amongst all kind of yeah. coaching badges and things like that I think it should be if you're involved in football because of how big and how well look at football now it's the biggest sport in the world if you get someone say there's got to be someone in your club that's had that training um, because then at least there's someone at every single club in the country that knows and knows how to deal with these and how to spot signs of it because not everyone will open up and talk about it so you need someone there that knows and some sort of spot signs um, that someone's struggling and now how are things I suppose it's we spoke a little bit at the start is it still taking it step by step day yeah, by day for you Step by step. Um, obviously, having the routine of football back is, is perfect. Um, I like that structure. That's helped having the structure. But yeah, so it's a lot better. I'm opening up a lot more. I'm speaking to a lot of people. Um, but it just took that first step of opening up. And now everyone knows about it. There's no, I'm not hiding anything or anything like that. I think that's the biggest step is opening up and admitting, first of all. Because I suppose it takes a massive weight off your shoulders, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, as soon as you say about it, it's like a big, like, like you said, weight off your shoulders, a massive relief that you actually have opened up about it, and there's not you're not hiding it from anyone. You haven't got to hide it anyway. But like I said, as, as I'm a young man, I'm, I'm a bloke. There was that stigma around having to open up, but there isn't. I don't know why there is because no one's treated me any differently. And if anything, it's made people actually have a lot of respect for me and with what they've told me. So I don't know why that we've still got a stigma around it. Indeed. Let's talk a little bit about the football and obviously very much a Moneyfields player now. Exciting times ahead for the club, obviously moving into a new ground sooner rather than later. I suppose I know obviously disappointing at the weekend to, to get knocked out of the FA Cup. But all in all, you look at the project that's going on there, all the things that are going on behind the scenes. It looks like an exciting time to be around the club. Oh, yeah, it's massively exciting. Like you said, it was an unfortunate Saturday. Um better team first half but I think their quality and fitness prevailed in the end but in terms of just the club in general we're moving into new facilities we've got the link with Pompey in the community 
you look at the squad, the players we've got in this year, the players that Glenn's brought in this year, along with the squad we had last year, it's it's it is exciting. You know, we've gone up against Hornedino, a really strong side, lost their one there unfortunately. We've gone and played against a team in League Above and played off the park at points on Saturday. So there's nothing to say that we can't take it a step further this year and really give it a good go and try and win some silverware. One thing your squad's always had is an incredible team spirit, especially this season more than any other, obviously waiting to move into your new home and, and things like that. How much and how important is that going to be to get over that initial hurdle, moving into the new ground and all the challenges behind the scenes that that's going to possibly pose? Oh, yeah. It's, um, the whole, like you said, the team spirit's massive and that's why it is so important. We go our first couple of games, where was it, 11 or 12 games are away. So if you haven't got that team spirit, it's easy to go to places that are tough to go to and get turned over week in, week out. So we've gone to tough places like Bennington and Laverstock so far. Um, got good results on the road there and kept clean sheets there. You don't keep that if you haven't got everyone on the pitch, on the bench and not even in the squads that's digging in for each other. You know, we've got an injured goalkeeper who's messaging every day saying, like, good luck, misses it. We've got a young goalkeeper who's come in being brilliant. And it's just because they just buy into what we've got in the changing room. That's that's what the coaches implement. That, that what, if you're going to be part of the squad, you've got to buy into that team morale and spirit. Have you claimed your 15p a mile then for the away games? I haven't yet, no. Um, me and Elliot Turnbull will be contacting, but I think Elliot, obviously, at the minute, he's he's our kit man at the minute, so I'll be I'll be tapping him up to speak to his old <laughs> man about, about throwing a bit on the way, just to be fair. Fair enough. And I suppose you're looking forward then to that day when you eventually will be able to move in and, and play that first game at what you can call home, because I suppose your experiences of... Dover Road has been kind of a, a ground as a construction site. Yeah, yeah, like you said, last year it was a, there's a new building of houses there, so we didn't really get a full understanding and respect of Dover Road. But it's going to be going in there, we're going to be the first team, we're, it's, a, it's a brand new money field, so we're going in there, we're going to be the first team that's been there, and we're hoping that we can obviously make it a horrible place for teams to come. Exactly that. Well, Harry, thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate your openness and your honesty as well. Always great having you on the programme. Take care and all the best. No, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Harry Birmingham there talking to me on Monday night about the topic of mental health and speaking so eloquently as he usually does about the topic. If you're affected by anything that was said in the interview or you're worried about someone's mental well-being, then on the ExpressFM website, it's expressfm.com forward slash wellbeing Portsmouth they've got plenty of tips and advice on uh, mental health and other such uh, issues uh, including mental health support stress and depression anxiety domestic abuse you've got tips for teenagers and parents uh, financial advice uh, the express moment with spark community space and you've got Claire Tamplin's mindful moments that is expressfm.com forward slash being Portsmouth for uh, more information on that and thank you again to Harry for speaking to us on that topic well we're going to discuss all other things local football beginning with Haven't and Waterlooville early on today I caught up with Matt Drabble to discuss all of that and to chew the fact on the weekend's action right Matt Drabble is alongside me let's begin by talking Hawks because it's been a very good start to the season. I think there was expectation levelled on them after the disappointments of last year, but so far so good, I think it's fair to say. Couldn't be much better, to be honest, Henry. There's uh, been very little not to like about the Hamilton Water Louisville start to the current season. And it's been, you know, it'll be the forwards that are grabbing the headlines, but I think it's been built around the success of that midfield triangle. Uh, three players you're familiar with. It's all their second year with the club which is strange because, as I said, all the talk is about the new signings, but it's it's three players that have already been there, Jake McCarthy, Billy Clifford, Paul Rooney, that have just controlled every game that the Hawks have played in, and that's been the platform to, to build off and, and score the goals they've been scoring. But that's the game, though, isn't it? The strikers will clamour all the headlines, and it's those just behind who actually do the hard yards, but perhaps don't get the, the recognition that they should. Definitely. Um, you know, and I think that's been the case with some of them. It tends to be we throw out those those man of the match polls after the after the full time whistle's gone. And it always tends to be the striker that scored in the game, whether that be Jason Pryor at the weekend, Mo Farr. But, um, you know, Paul Rooney, Billy Griffith and Jake McCarthy have been man of the match candidates in every single game the Hawks have played this season. Is there a feeling 
within of expectation. I know I, was, I spoke to Dozer a, a few weeks ago, and you know what he's like. Whatever, whatever pressure's on him, whatever game, he'll, he'll, he'll find a way of taking it off. But inside, is there a feeling that as the league gets stronger and as every year ticks by, the weight of expectation is just building and building and building towards promotion? The expectation is it is huge on the Hawks as always. I think it really they never seem to escape that in the National League South. I don't I don't know what it is, but they always seem to be favoured virtually every year to be one of their contenders of promotion. And you speak to other clubs and all they can seem to talk about is the Hawks are on a hybrid schedule. The Hawks have the biggest budget. I think they think we have the, the budget of Liverpool at having a water lever, which isn't quite true. I know it's it's towards the top end of the table, but it's not like what people suggest. And the expectation actually has only increased with the good start to the season. Of course, it's a good thing. I'm not going to sit here and say starting the season well is in any way a negative. But I don't actually feel after pre-season that people were that optimistic of the of the Hawks' prospects. Pre-season can be misleading, but it wasn't the strongest pre-season state for the Hawks whatsoever. Those that draw with Horndean, the draw with Porchester as well, notable results. But in fact, it's the it's the start of the season which has just taken that to another level and now it's building more and more. Do you see a shift in mentality? I mean, when you look at the players that are bought in, Danny Wright, been there, proven, won it. Jason Pryor's won it here before. Uh, other players which you can, you can mention that have done stuff elsewhere, maybe not on the high-profile level, but have won things, done things. How crucial is that mentality shift? Because last year there was probably players there that when the time came to stand up and be counted, perhaps were found wanting. There has been, without a shadow of a doubt, a shift in mentality this season. And I think, you know, that was demonstrated in two key games for me. The first was Braintree, playing 70 minutes with 10 men, Jason Pryor, Talisman, getting sent off rather controversially 19 minutes into the game. Last season, do you think the Hawks would get anything from that game? I mean, I, I think I know your answer already. It would absolutely be no, because the Hawks went down to 10 men plenty of times last season and came away empty-handed. The 10 men that remained on the pitch ran themselves into the ground and dug out a result against a Braintree side, which are a lot better than people give them credit for. The second game, which was a demonstration of the shift in mentality this year, was going away to Princess Park a stadium where the Hawks have never won in their entire history. Dartford only lost two league games at home all of last season, and it was the final two games of the year when they already had the playoffs secured. And I think, you know, that was the other game which demonstrated the mentality. The Hawks dug in, battled, got a smash and grab away win, and uh, that, that just wouldn't have happened last year. There's no way in a million years would that have happened. And I think that is down to the players, as you mentioned, that they brought in like Danny Wright, like Jason Pryor. But I also think the bigger factor is the players that were here last year and tasted that bitterness of missing out on the playoffs on the final day have thought, wow, actually, we need to get our act together here a bit because that wasn't good enough. And they don't want to go through that experience again. Looks as if squad-wise, it's still relatively small, but it's more in depth than what we've seen in previous years. And we've seen in the past where one injury can possibly lead to another and then can then possibly lead to all sorts of havoc and trouble. You look at the strength in numbers this year, you can like for like change instead of having to possibly in the past rely a bit more on the low market. I mean, if Jason Pryor is suspended and you can go to Mo Fowl, who had 55 goal involvements last year, or Danny Wright, who's dropped down from the conference, or James Roberts as a central striker that started the season in electric form, or Tommy Wright to come back from injury around October, November time. I mean, that's it. That's an embarrassment of riches at this level, Henry. And I see your eyebrows raising there. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The other, speaking to other people around the league, as I do very often, they are so envious of that attacking lineup for having a war to live because I think Danny Wright, Jason Pryor, Mo Fowl, Tommy Wright, James Roberts, that can all play as a central striker, could probably get bar maybe Ebsfleet into any other side in the National League South. And the Hawks have all of them. In midfield, Oscar Goburn, a former England under 21s national, not even back to full fit. Benny Reid has started the season brilliantly. He's switching positions with Josh Pasley at right back. The two are taking it in turns. 
Um, you know, centre backs maybe a position the Hawks would like to have one more potentially. Um, Magri obviously on the road to recovery, but who knows what he'll look like after such a horrendous injury in a long time away. But across the rest of the pitch, when you have Gio Critchlow, who was many people's you know best winger in in the league last year, being forced to sit out because he can't get in the squad right now. Uh, it is just an embarrassment of riches the Hawks have. And it almost feel guilty at times to be associated with the club. And I'm speaking to other people and they're talking about their injury problems and, oh, they just don't have goals, they don't have creativity in the side. And the Hawks have star-studded players, some of the best in the league, sat on the bench. By the way, I don't envy the fact that you'll be commentating on Danny Ryan and Tommy Ryan in the same team at the same time. Do not envy that one little bit. But when he comes back, Tommy Wright, it is like as if a new sign is coming through the door. I suppose. I think it's, it's going to be very tough for Tommy Wright and a player that I have an enormous amount of respect for and, and value what he brings to the team, you know, a great deal. And I think his relationship with Paul Doswell has always been sound. The two have known each other what, since, since Tommy was eight or nine years old or something crazy like that. You used to play with like Scott that. at youth level. So, so the two know each other fantastically well but if you ask me right now Tommy Wright comes back at the weekend where does he fit into this side I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you and that's nothing against Tommy Wright that's just the fact that the Hawks have have simply too many options because I, I don't like seeing Tommy pushed out wide I think he's best either as the central striker or as a 10 the best players in the Hawks side this year have been Jake McCarthy, Billy Clifford and Paul Rooney. So I don't think you can drop anyone in that midfield triangle. And then it becomes a question of, do you play Tommy as a central striker instead of maybe Jason Pryor or, or Danny Wright? I don't think he gives you the same physical presence up top that those two do. So I think what Tommy Wright does when he comes back is potentially not give you more options. He gives you different options. You suddenly have the ability to play a 4-4-2 potentially, do the big man, little man thing, which can be effective at this level. Um, and try things like that. So Tommy certainly will strengthen the squad. He strengthens any squad. He's a fantastic player. But I think, make no mistake, it's going to be very, very hard for him to break the way, break his way into this team the way they're playing right now. So let's move on. Let's chat about Pompey women because it's been fair to say a, a summer of transition for Jay Sadler. It looks like a fairly new look team, some out, some ins, and really looking to make a stamp on things as the first full-time manager of the women's side. Definitely. I think there's been a, a sense that, um, you know, that this would be a, a year for Portsmouth to sort of find their feet again after last season. I don't think Portsmouth were, were particularly struggled in any, in any certain way in the, in the FA Women's National League. I think there were just some opponents that were too strong for them in that league, like Southampton, like Ipswich. Now you've lost Southampton. Maybe the door opens for Portsmouth to be a bit more optimistic. But the murmurs coming out of pre-season, although positive, I don't think were necessarily anyone was willing to put that statement down and say this side are after promotion this year. How important a move, though, is it to have Jay Sadler there at the helm on a, on a permanent basis, to have a full-time manager, both on the field, on a football perspective, but also off the field, it shows Portsmouth's intent to, to really invest in their women's side. Yeah, I mean, it was what was needed for Portsmouth, I think. And, and you talk about investment in the women's side, and I don't want to bring up them lot down the road again, but there is a reason why Southampton won promotion last season because of investment in the women's side. They were virtually a full-time team. That was last season in the FA Women's National League where no one's full-time. They had a full-time training setup. They had incredible facilities shared with the men's team. And this is a step for Portsmouth in, you know, moving in that direction to try and to try and have the similar amount of success. You know, Jay Sadler is a brilliant tactician. He knows the game inside out and has a passion for women's football because he's stuck with this Portsmouth women's team, you know, long before he was given given the amount of resources. And, and respect that he has been now. So um, I have full faith that Jay Sadler in the future can lead Portsmouth to some of the success and this is the first step in doing that. And we've both been very lucky to have worked with Jay in, in, in a punditry capacity when he's been working on, on punditry roles with um, some of the Pompey men's games. And you can tell that he's a modern forward-thinking coach that has the ideals that suits the modern game. And in, and in the Women's National League, it's something that as the years go on, is something that, that teams are more and more accustomed to, to trying to, to build. Definitely. I think, you know, 
like I said, Jay Sadler is a a manager that thinks deeply about the game. He loves his tactics, he loves his shapes, he loves his X's and O's, and that's what every modern football manager should have in mind. Um, you know, at any level of football, in terms of of wanting success, you know, that's how you maximise the most out of the resources you have at your disposal. And I think that's you know, what Jay Sadler is trying to do here. I think there's been intelligent acquisitions in the summer, uh, young players coming in to improve the side. And uh, it paid off at the weekend, didn't it, Henry? You know, it's a 3 0 win to open the season. It's clear to see that there's a transition this season within the setup, new names, new signing. As you say, younger players coming through the door, Jay coming in as a, as a full time manager for the first time this season. Does that make it difficult to measure what would be a successful season? I think so. I think it always is a case with, um, you know, with seasons of transition. I mean, that, that word's giving me PTSD, Henry, because you used the word transition enough when talking about Portsmouth men's seasons, didn't we? I mean, um, that was the, the, the buzzword of last year. But I think in seasons of transition, um, you know, that it, there's the definitions, the boundaries of success are harder to define, as you said. But I think what's key is that Portsmouth are competitive. I think they grow off the pitch, I think would be a, a good benchmark of success in terms of interest, in terms of resources, in terms of infrastructure. And I think games at Fratton Park is always going to be a winner with Portsmouth Women's. And, you know, they're not fully in control of that. So it's hard to determine their level of success on factors such as that. But I think the club as a whole, um, you know, men's, women's, Portsmouth FC as a club, need to commit to that because those are always fantastic occasions and always brilliant signposts which convince people to to come back to normal games at the Draper Tools. Now, I might be asking you a question a little bit beyond your pay grade here. How how do you make it a bottom-up approach in terms of growing the women's game and not a top-down approach, which there is a fear it could be the case? I think it starts with more if you're looking at the bottom of the pyramid, it starts with more girls playing at grassroots level and it starts with better quality of coaching um, at the lower end of the pyramid as well. So the more girls you have playing, the more access there is for girls to play in PE, the more players you have, those players advance up the pyramid, financial reward comes back the other way. For example, you know, 16-year-old girl has had the opportunity to play you know, football in PE since she was four years old. There's plenty of women's grassroots coaching grassroots clubs around for her to join those clubs are well coached by good people and good quality coaches her skill develops she joins say Portsmouth Woman and then that she has a fantastic season transfers up higher up the pyramid money comes the other way financial compensation for Portsmouth that is the key to you know bottom up growth of the women's game it starts with more girls playing and higher quality coaching at the bottom level quickly let's touch upon the Wessex League because it's such a good league once again this year and we're going to speak to the managers in the Premier Division on next week's programme I mean we know what's going on at Porchester and I mean again it's unfortunate that Baffins and Horn Dean have played in the FA Cup on the same weekend Portsmouth are, are playing at home because yes they got good numbers for the game but I can just imagine what numbers they would have got on a weekend where Pompey were, were playing away from home and the strength for the Portsmouth sides in the Wessex League again it's showing that the non-league system in the area is working yeah I think you know you look at the um the local sides, Baffin's not perhaps the best start to the, to the league they wanted, but they got a big result in the cup. And then AFC Porchester, they've probably been the most covered uh, sort of step five team uh, in the entire in the entire country uh, this season, Henry, because of their acquisition of Brett Pittman and the story that's going on at, at AFC Porchester. Um, but no, I think... Yeah, as you say, a, a lot of success in that league. Porchester set for a good year. I watched Hamilton Water Louisville play Porchester and Horn Dean in preseason, and both those sides were so well organised, so disciplined, so structured. You know, people often deride non-league footballers hoofball or there aren't really tactics. Well, you just listen to two of those managers on the sideline, whether it be Burmy, whether it be someone else, and they are screaming instructions they have the whiteboard out their x's and o's dashed all over the whiteboard a complicated nuanced back five with overlapping center backs and all of that you know the 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 level is getting higher in football i think better coverage of the top flight has promoted that and insights inside the dressing room to the way managers prepare their teams and i think it's trickling down to an extent if the money isn't trickling down which 
we know it never does in this backwards world we live in with with the football pyramid at least the tactics and the quality and the thinking the deeper thinking about the game is and I think that's that's come to fruition in a very very competitive Wessex league I mean Baffin's obviously had a, a pretty horrendous start to the season um you know so far but the fact of the matter is they just had a, a massive cup result at the weekend so uh, you know a lot to a lot to like about non-league football this year well, I think we've rambled for long enough. Matt, always great to have your company on the programme. No doubt we'll uh, hear you somewhere else further on down the line. And uh, until the next time, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Henry. Thanks for having me. Many thanks to Matt Drabble for his time as ever. Really, really good conversation with him, as always, talking, having some more to leave your Pompey women and the Wessex League. A reminder that next week we're going to have a Wessex League Premier Division special. We're going to get all the managers from the Premier Division on the programme. We will get round to all of our clubs at some point. We're trying to expand our horizons as to different things on the programme. So we will get round to all of our managers and we'll do the Premier Division uh, next week, next Wednesday from 6pm. But plenty coming up. Across Express FM, very special week this week with it being victorious. Let's mark your card then. What is happening there? Our coverage begins from 4pm on Friday with live from Victorious Festival. And it kicks off with Mason Jordan from 4 until 6. And then Ian James and Paul Marsh will be taking over for the two hours after that before Connor Mosley has Express floor fillers from 8. And then our Saturday schedule will be live with Liddy Park and Vicky Hemmings from 11 o'clock until 2 when Robbie Jane, Jake Smith and Jay Sadler will bring you Pompey Live Port Vale versus Portsmouth and then we're going to be back at Victoria's from 6 o'clock until 8 when Kevin Stokes and Dan Ogres will be bringing great songs and all the highlights from the Victoria's Festival and then Sunday the headline day Ian McInnes and Adam Jenkins will be with you from 11 until 2 from 2 till 5 Nicola Lashley's back at Express Event fantastic news that is and she's going to be alongside Connor Mosley from 2 until 5. Vicky Hemmings has Express throwbacks from 5. Then it's going to be a repeat of Express this week with Chris Pierce before Sam Fender headlines Victoria's Festival. I cannot wait for that. I'm going to be back next week then with the Wessex League Premier Division Special. Thank you so much for your company. Appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, thank you for listening. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>